This is 6035 Media. Engage. So your challenge to me yes. and our challenge to our, unfortunately, our friend who was not with us. Not rest in peace. He's just incredibly busy. He's Yeah, he's not resting at all. <laughs> He's not resting peacefully at all. <laughs> no, no, actually, yeah, he's doing quite the opposite. Uh, Kelly Karnetsky, the guy who's too much, seen too much, probably been too much, uh, <laughs> couldn't make it in today. But you challenged me to think of favorite memes and most hated memes. Your favorite and your least favorite most hated meme. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them out there. And and the the challenge was there's so many good ones. Like so many of them are now embedded into the fa- the mental fabric of what I think the internet is. Well, and you can't even see a movie or watch a TV show with on occasion somebody just kind of slyly mentioning it. Yeah. Like the way they phrase right. something or the way they behave or something like that. Yeah. Like when someone mentions Rickroll out loud. Oh yeah. Like in, in as a as a verb. Like I just Rickrolled you. Like when Tracy Rickrolled me and <laughs> that was amazing. You were you were there. I don't think I was Where there. Where was she she was like scan this QR code. Oh, I was there. Yes, you were. Exactly. Uh, yes. Do you remember when um Rick Astley was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade? Cuz that was the moment I was like the internet has become real. Yes. And even my mom noticed it and I was like wow. noticed it in that context. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. As... Yes. She she'd kind of heard the mulling of what Rick Rolling was and mm. then she saw it on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade and this is a woman in her late 40s early 50s mm-hmm. and me being more morbidly embarrassed morbidly embarrassed um mortified is the real word I was <laughs> looking for. I got there eventually. Um, yeah, that's when I knew that that meme was dead because my mom knew. Because, it. yeah. <laughs> I, but I wonder, though, was it dead or did it have a new life? Um, mm, because. You know what? I, yes. We're not, in the grand scheme of things, like compared to the, the, the creation of the sun, we're not that different in age. But <laughs> I remember when that song was getting radio time. Oh my god. When it was actually getting ready. Like I remember enjoying it and his his other uh single um what the heck was it? Uh Cry for Help. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember when those were you know showing up on the adult soft favorite contemporary <laughs> radio stations. And then and then 15 years later Here's it showing up. It's as back. It's back. The video, which no one, <laughs> I mean, they're Vivo and them were putting up all the music videos and stuff like that um, at that time. But I don't think anyone expected that that video and for Rick Astley oh, to yeah. be like, I'm going to be the target of this four channery. <laughs> and well, and, and fast forward to 2022, I guess, with Kate Bush was sure. rolling up, uh, rolling up that Roll. hill, rolling up that hill, Roll, like blah, 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 like blah. a oh, oh geez, who's the who's the Greek god that rolls the stone up? Sisyphus. The Sisyphus. Yeah. Thank you. Um. <laughs> was he a god or was he more just a dude in hell? <sighs> Hades. Is, sorry. Not a question for me. Have we played Hades? We we could be playing more. Hades. Oh, I will be playing more Hades. I am in love with Hades, especially now the that video there's a game. sequel. There is a sequel coming, coming out. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of best memes, is that the best one? I didn't. Oh man, I think I think maybe you got it. The th- the best meme of all time is maybe yes. Rick Astley. Yeah, it's family friendly. It's it good is. for all ages. It's a hit. It's a it's a it's a bop. It's a bop. It's a bop. It slaps. Y- you it can... goes. <laughs> you know all the words. And anybody under the age of twenty five just turned off the podcast because you said it slaps. <laughs> I have to show my cred somehow. <laughs> my goodness. But it is a bop. You're it is not a wrong. it is a it is. You know, an somebody comes bop. up and sings karaoke of Rick Astley. You bet everyone's going to be dancing. I know exactly. <laughs> and the director of the video was Simon. I can't remember, but he would go. I believe he went on to direct like Con Air, oh, and, and like those those films. That was like one of his first gigs because so many directors of the '90s came out of music videos. And well, this stuff comes like that. full circle because I want to call Top Gun Con Air all the time, 
all the that time. That is an interesting little tweak there. I yeah. don't I don't know. There's a glitch in my brain <laughs> that has always existed that I want to call each one the other name. Top Gun is Con Air. In my brain. Okay. Don't know what happened there. Con Air. And Tom Cruise is Con Air. Yeah. Yeah. We really got to get these prisoners out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because they're both two words, three letters. And yeah. so I just mix yeah. them up. Or maybe it's Con... Gun. Yeah, right. Top air. Uh, right. I was trying to. I was <laughs> mentally trying to contort toy stow <laughs> in there. It's like that's dumb. Why did I do that? Uh, so, all right. If that's in the running for best meme, what's the worst meme? And that, my pitch to you was the uh, galaxy of advice animals. Now, mm. back in the day, because I've been on the internet for a very long time, I remember there was a pre-meme, but before there were memes, really. There were there was stuff like advice animals, uh, but then like Facebook comes mm-hmm. late aughts, and everyone's there are just entire farms of advice animals with just the slightly <laughs> different backgrounds, uh, different colors, different props in front, mm. and just top text, lower text impact. And they've got meme generators. Would you believe I feel like I can top that? Okay. All right. Let's hear it. Speaking of Facebook and memes that have grown on Facebook, Uh any sort of minion meme. Okay. I think tops the worst of the memes. Now, we're not not counting memes that are, you know, problematic. Mm, Right. Put those to the side. No, the the memes that really fill you with some sort of discontent. Yeah, for it's a minion meme. For minions, and and it's interesting because those, I think of minions, but then I also think immediately to SpongeBob, mm-hmm. which is a glue of the internet at this point. I wrote an article about this when I had an art when Hot Takes and Stream Breaks was in a one dimensional format <laughs> of text. Uh, I wrote an article about the the meminess of SpongeBob and. It's everywhere. You can use SpongeBob oh, yeah. for everything, oh, yeah. anything at all times, because that show is so random and strange, and a lot it of times is. has no point whatsoever. No, um, and unfortunately, I've recently seen a new episode, new-ish episode okay. of SpongeBob. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, happened to be flipping channels. I was in the gym <laughs> looking for some kid-friendly channels because my course. kiddo had to be with me. He's sure. almost four. Uh huh. And one of the few channels available was playing SpongeBob, so I put on SpongeBob because I was HD SpongeBob. I, I was curious. Yeah. It, Mom's gotta it's, know. It's. I was gonna say it's animated now. It's always been animated. It's computer animated now. It's it's three D Pixar oh, type. Like three D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Not sure how I feel about it. Somehow, okay. it's it's. It's less gross looking, if that makes any sense, but more disconcerting. I think of like Ren and Stimpy gross. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, yeah. SpongeBob could use those like extreme close-ups or right. something of like weird faces or dried out sponges or yeah, exactly. whatever. And, exactly. Okay. The, it, it has gone as far away from the genre of gross animation as, as possible. possible, which is very weird with its tone of humor. Uh-huh. Because it, it's kind of... It's kind of gross humor. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not. not as it's though. not as gross as Ren and Stimpy. No. that's that's the extreme. <laughs> that was so awful. We couldn't even. There were episodes my parents watched and like you can't watch this episode. <laughs> and then the episodes you could watch, it's like oh no, no, this is wrong. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, SpongeBob. SpongeBob, the the glue the, that brings us all together. Is it? Speaking of, is it better than uh, Latter Day Simpsons? Because I. Well, it's been a couple of years now, but I will pop in a random episode of The Simpsons and... Simpsons still holds my curiosity, for sure. Yeah, like, how is it still alive? <laughs> it's a, it, if it I'm flipping channels zombie. and it's on, I, I need to know. Yeah, like, how... how <laughs> What's going on here now? and awful is this now? Is it good? Is it bad? Sometimes it, it's a, you know, toss of a coin. It is the first zombie show. All right, I'm going to leave it with that. We're not talking zombies today. We're not talking next time. Next time. Let's get to the show. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to Hot Takes and Stream Breaks, the bi-weekly pop culture podcast brought to you by 6035 Media. I'm your host, reporter Nick Raven, and joining me in the studio is account executive Victoria Constantino. How are Hi. you doing today? I am I am excellent. Good. It is, it is foggy and dreary out today, and I love that because yes. I just want to be all cozy with some tea and a blanket and watching some movies. And that's why you're doing that exactly right now. That's why I'm, just, <laughs> I'm in a very opposite. cozy sweater right now. Okay. Very cozy sweater. All you need is the tea. It's a portable blanket it, when you wear a cozy sweater. If it's crocheted, that means it was <laughs> made with love. That's great. Um yeah, Kelly. Like I said, Kelly couldn't make it in. We're gonna have Greta in. We might have Greta in next time. We're gonna talk. We're gonna catch up on Last of Us. But for this week, this episode, I keep saying week, but we don't do these every week. This episode, we're gonna yes. talk about the Oscars. But before we do that, we have the news. I love the news. Do you love the news? I love the news. We make news here. Yes. It allows us to eat. It's pretty great. Very important. All right. I'm going to kick this off with uh, the Washington Post. This happened in the last two weeks, and I'm like, wow, has it really been? Uh, The bewildering descent of Scott Adams and Dilbert. On his February 22nd episode of Real Coffee with Scott Adams, the creator of the comic strip Dilbert decided to riff on a much-criticized Rasmussen poll and promote a type of segregation. He declared that black Americans are part of a hate group and urged white people to get the hell away from black people. By the following weekend, his syndicate and publishers were getting far away from him, severing business ties and halting future projects. So were hundreds of newspapers, including The Post. That dropped Dilbert from their pages. What did you think when you saw that? So this is the most information I've gotten about this story. Mm. Because, again, circling back, all I've seen is the memes about it. So Uh, all uh I knew is Mr. Dilbert author (laughs) um, did a bad. Pre-office face. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wow, that is so much more intense than I could have even fathomed. Yeah, and he's... I think he's always leaned conservative and sure. stuff like that. But now that he's kind of leaning into that because uh, in the polls, it was it – was, I can't recall the exact specifics of it here, which is a hot takes standard, of course. <laughs> uh, but it, it was basically that, you know, because white people intimidated black people, they didn't feel like they belonged with them. And the, as it says here, the, the, the poll was not constructed very well, mm. something like that. But the fact that – you know, Scott Adams would then let the mask slip off entirely and go down that route Uh, was pretty disgusting. As such a cultural figure, too. Yeah. (laughs) Controversial, especially. I I find it interesting that this is actually coming out um, around Dr. Seuss time. I actually have the next story that I'll have you read about, but we're all doll. Oh, so we're all about cartoons and children for the news? Right. That's kind of sad. Right. And uh, (laughs) God, it's, we can actually dive into this because um, there was uh, a bunch of like 40s cartoons and stuff like that that portrayed Mm. black women and stuff like that as maids and stuff like that. And they didn't have any content warnings like that when we were kids. But Mm. then years and decades later, they would have like Whoopi Goldberg come and say, hey, this is the way things were. We didn't alter anything, but keep that in mind as we get into that. Uh, Before we move on, though, but like Scott Scott Adams of all people Mm. and – you know, think what you will of Dilbert. I have certainly not <laughs> thought of Dilbert in a very long time. He is a household name, but you do not think about him on a daily. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Or the pointy-haired boss or any of those, or his dog with the glasses. Mm, yes, that's right. Yeah. It seems like it would be perfect for a Peanuts star. I believe there was a TV show back in the day of Dilbert. There must have been. There has to have been. This is all just fascinating timing, because didn't about two weeks ago, the author of Calvin and Hobbes just released some, like a horror book or something along those lines? Yeah. So it it almost feels 
purposeful. Of course, that's just entire speculation. But I think it's met Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> yes, I think Mercury is definitely doing something with these comic artists for sure. Especially from the early '90s, like our growing up time, right? You know, like uh, because you you mentioned him, and then I actually watched uh, Phil Edwards, YouTuber. He also works at Vox. He just did a story about um, pissing Calvin. Oh my gosh! Uh, he did a story. He did because he did a story a decade ago for Vox about where that came from, and how um, the author what name I can't remember who's Scott Calvin and Hobbes's artist, um, but he he would not allow his syndicate to merchandise Calvin and Hobbes to then be able to clear out all these crappy counterfeit Calvin pissing. Mm-hmm. Just so that, and it was a very, he got really kind of philosophical about it. Mm. Um, but Scott Adams, man, what the hell? Yeah. What are you doing? But so let's segue into our next thingy here. I'll get you to number two. All righty. From the AP. Penguin to publish classic Roll Doll books after Backlash. Publisher Penguin Random House announced Friday it will publish quote unquote classic. Oh man. Unexpected. Expurgated? Wow. There's some words. Unexpurgated versions of Roald Dahl's children's novels after it received criticism for cuts and rewrites that were intended to make the book suitable for modern readers. Along with the new editions, the company said 17 of Dahl's books would be published in their original form later this year as the Roald Dahl Classic Collection, so readers will be free to choose which version of Dahl's stories they prefer. The move comes after criticism of scores of changes made to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and other much-loved classics for recent editions published under the company's Puffin Children's label, in which passages relating to weight, mental health, gender, and race were altered. Uh Uh-huh. So what do you think about that, especially as a parent who's having to... uh, As as the resident parent. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, as a resident parent, I will talk about my, my fifth grade self that read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and recognized that all of that stuff was wrong and bad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't have been the only fifth grader that figured that that was Not bad good. and wrong. So maybe it's an opportunity to have discussions about it. But then again, we get into who's making the discussions. Are the conversations good and fruitful? All of these other things. So it's... It's complicated, right? right? So, I mean, I, I mentioned the Dr. Seuss issue, um, and I had recently bought some, um, you know, beginner Dr. Seuss books for my son um, last week because I, I knew that this week he'd be talking to uh, talking about it at school. So I wanted to make sure he had some in the house, and you know, we've had these discussions recently. So I was flipping through the pages, and only once did I see something that was maybe a little bit questionable. And it's tough, right? Do you trust yourself as a parent to have these conversations with your kid? Mm-hmm. I know I trust myself to have those conversations. Not every parent is confident enough to do that. Sure. And I know that it's difficult. And I know the, you know, you're afraid that every little thing that you say, you know, isn't going to resonate correctly. But these are kids in a society. They're having conversations. They, It is your job as the parent to guide them in the direction. I also think it's the teacher's job in their classroom to point them in the right direction. This is everybody's responsibility, not just one person's. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not there should be censored copies or changed copies of these stories probably should have been done a long time ago, but coulda, woulda, shoulda, (laughs) you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, Should have never gotten in is what you're saying. It should have never gotten in, but (laughs) Being what they are, I don't know. I think I think there's a larger conversation to be had as far as what context are you presenting them in. Right. Clearly, at least my fifth grade self could figure out what was right and wrong, but that doesn't mean that every fifth grader can. Right, and there are gradients of that, of course, because sure. I mean, stuff even that we find acceptable today, like ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years from now, oh, like yeah. it's going to be like, 
whoa. And Absolutely. at that point, do you become – because that, that is an argument. It's like, well, we're changing this stuff now. You know, uh, wh- what happens when they come and try and change what we're talking about? Is the stuff we're saying now unacceptable? Well, it's to that, some extent. That has mm-hmm. happened for every medium over every <clears throat> generation. Yeah. You know, whether the lyrics of a song has changed that's part of a cultural song. You know, we still sing things like Ring Around the Rosie that most of us know is about the Black Plague. Is that something we should still be singing in schools? You know, the, it, it can arise in so many different contexts, and it's the job of adults to make sure that when that does happen, we're taking care of it. Yeah, and I remember uh, particularly with, like, Willy Wonka, because I didn't read Willy Wonka, the first one. I read The Glass Elevator, mm. which is a bizarre book that <laughs> still haunts me to this day. That was in third grade, and it didn't make any sense because it – it didn't really line up with what was going on in the movie. Mm. Go figure. But <laughs> uh, I know that they had like changed uh, artwork depicting, you know, who the Oompa Loompas were because originally they were like African kids. And oh, stuff. yeah. Like, it's it was very like, explicit yeah. almost. Yes. Uh, and they'd done that some time ago as I understood it. And then even growing up, like we had those – the golden books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, had, we had the ones with the Tar Baby in it. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, this seems weird. <laughs> Right. This, uh, you know, at, you know, like kindergarten level or four or five, it's like, this doesn't seem quite right, but I don't know why. And, and, and when you're a kid, you don't know how to explain it. But I, I think the knowledge of knowing, uh, the knowledge of knowing, um, <laughs> being able to recognize that you know something is wrong is already a step in the right direction. Right. So I think we don't give kids enough credit either. Right. You know, we tend to think, oh, they're they're just kids. Kids are so much smarter. They've got less of a filter than we do. When they see, you know, <laughs> my kid, I can never do a rolling stop at a stop sign. Oh, you can't. Because no California stops. Ab- absolutely <laughs> not. Because they've got no filter. And they know that what you're doing is wrong. And they will tell you. And I think we don't give them credit in things that are really, really valuable. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, more, more conversations with your kids. Talk to your kids. Yeah. And, and also, it goes the other way, too, where yeah. the things that kids can't pick up on and don't know, those those right. things then get embedded. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those can be the wrong things, yes. you know, depending on the culture that you're in and that. Oh, yeah. And I know that personally. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, like yeah. a lot of bad ideas in there. And it's like I had to work my way out of that. And I know a lot of people have or haven't or they haven't. You I, know, I have to tell a little story on the podcast. My son is okay. almost four. Yes. He goes to daycare, preschool. Um they were um, discussing Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Love it. And then he gets in the car after I pick him up. Mama, you and I are both white together. We are so white. Oh, you're white just like me. And I thought to myself, oh, honey, you, you're right. You're <laughs> But Correct. maybe we need to figure out a nicer way to say that. Yeah, maybe we can filter that. <laughs> maybe we little. can filter that. So yeah, it can go both ways. Imagine if he would say something like that as like a 15-year-old kid. Now that would be a big problem. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. That's that's when you definitely need, you know, a little bit of filtering. You know, <laughs> a little bit some, of coaching. Some interesting friends, you know. <laughs> uh, I... And, and there's an entire discussion to be had about um, separating art from the artists. Oh, yeah. Very relevant these v- days. Uh, exactly. And so it, it makes sense to publish them as – but like we were talking about, just providing context for why that is rather than just outright censoring it. Yeah. Makes sense to me. And um, at the same time, there's a lot of n- – Amazing new books for kids coming out. Yeah, you don't have to go back to... (laughs) You don't have to be exclusively, you know, teaching Roald Dahl. Yeah. Roald Dahl in, you know, association with other books. You know, just as new publications come out, you can grow. There's no reason why not. Right. I mean, SpongeBob is glue of the internet. SpongeBob is glue of the internet. And maybe, you know, those World War II era uh, wartime cartoons? Maybe don't stand up for that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> number three. Why did I do number one? 
It didn't smart. Usually it's smart about these lists and that. Um, CNN says, among so many other parties that I read up on this, uh, $30 million of Funko Pop toys will be thrown in the trash. Funko said in its fourth quarter earnings report that a combination of waning demand for the toys and a surplus of inventory is creating financial trouble for the company. Last year, they had to rent excess warehouse just to hold the buildup of Funko figures, which range from Baby Yoda, Grogu, for us, you know, lorists, I guess, to Eddie Van Halen. Funko was holding on to about $246.4 million worth of dolls at the end of 2022. That's 48% more than they had on hand just one year before. So what I have to say about that is, you know, it's great that people, sorry, I'm just, oh, that's mine, uh, <laughs> that people enjoy them. I get their collectability. Also, the best place for them is usually the trash. Do you have any Funko Pops? I think, oh God, I had, I don't know if I have any now, but I have had them. Okay. Like a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I have two. Uh-huh. Um, and they have been sitting in a drawer for about a year. <laughs> not in the box. I'm not one of those folks. The NRFB, yeah. <sighs> and, and I did spend normal money on both of them. Nor- yes. Normal money. They weren't, you know, from a garage sale, and they they weren't high priced. They're fifteen ish bucks. Yeah. For things I really love, I do not understand the fascination with Funko Pops. Um. I don't understand the love behind them. I don't understand how it became a collectibles thing besides there's just a lot. Yeah. I think they connected with the right people at I the right so. time. Because it totally came out of that, like, I, 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 I call the quote-unquote golden era of, like, the Comic-Con culture, like mm. the Chris Hardwick, Nathan Fillion, yes. Cl- Ernest Klein, right. That, right as Comic-Cons are the nerdist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Funko Pops. Like, they're all part of this galaxy of commodified nerdery mm. um, that just kind of live and grew together. Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it just kind of all came together at once. And every Comic Con you go to, there is at least one booth oh, that yeah. is just three walls <laughs> of Funko Pops. Now, Grant, so here's my answer to why you would want to buy these is you find the one for you. Yes. They, they do so many of them. because, And if you don't know what they are, you know what they are. They you come know in the, they, they come in the white <laughs> box. They've got the window on two sides. They are all uniform in shape and size, like 80% of the way. And then they have these big, beady, lifeless eyes <laughs> with no mouth. And they're just they're, there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like paper dolls, but made out of plastic. So, you know, all the environmental stuff that goes along with that. But they make them in so many properties now that no matter what your thing is, there's a Funko Pop or five in a series that you have to collect. Or they come in a big freaking version. Like they're Fallout There's giant there Funko are giant, Pops. Yes. There are giant <laughs> ones and then there's smaller ones. Yeah. And then, but they're all the same idea. Yes. Is commodified fandom. Yes. Right. And... <clears throat> I mean, we've been doing this for a while, right? Yeah, you know, we've been doing years. this with we've been doing this with Beanie Babies. Yes. you know, there's always something. There's always something for a collector out there, right? To me, I just think these ones in particular, these ones are kind of boring. But yeah. as far as a collectible, I think there's so many cool things to collect. I don't know. I just don't understand the fascination with those in particular. They're not even that really good at collectibles, mm-hmm. really. They're like, I don't. But see, would we be talking about this if we weren't, as we're not in the golden age of cons? When we were in the right. golden age of cons, we would probably be saying, oh, <laughs> did you know they have the Fraser Funko Pop? So I got to get me a Fraser Funko Pop. Well, I'm going to tell you no. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I, I know people who would. Right. Or they would be. and But it, it never became like a, a baseball card thing where it's yeah. like you have to collect an entire set. You have to you know, this and that. Like it was all. It was always just the one-off thing. Well, the... you know, I've... one of one of my two Funko Pops. Okay, is Sailor Saturn from Sailor Moon. Okay, who is my favorite Sailor Scout? Sure. By the way, it's like having a favorite Disney princess, right. but nerdier. Um... <laughs> Even if those are also like eighty to ninety percent the same. 
Exactly. All the sailor girls. But are... I will never get rid of her because yeah. she's always hard to find in merchandise. So I understand it as part of a whole saying, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to collect Sailor Saturn things. Yeah. But I don't understand the I'm going to collect Funko Pops thing. I think you bring up a really good point there. I th- I don't think it's a – and I think also that's why it has gained this kind of popularity is you don't – consider the Funko Pops a destination it's kind of a, a journey thing so you get mm. the book you get the comic book you get the t-shirt you watch the movie and you get the Funko Pop mm-hmm. it's just uh, ubiquitous it is a part of something else it is it is a it is a it is not the salad or the plate it is the fork right that's what that is yeah that's what Funko Pops are well, and fascinating to see how they embody your crazy character, like the alien from the Aliens movie. What right. are what are they going to do with a xenomorph? How are they going to put it in in this form? Um, which I, I I get the appeal of that. That yeah. makes sense. And it's always worse than you imagine. It's but... always worse. <laughs> uh, well, more trash going in the trash. We should really do if they made them out of wood mm. or something like some post corn product like maybe that wouldn't be so bad but they are plastic i bet AF. they have all of the members of corn in funko pops i bet they do i bet they do before we get into the news not i mean not the news but the main event i have to... okay siri who wrote calvin and hobbs bill waterson yes there we go my husband is listening to this podcast and screaming right now because yeah, <laughs> it's his thank, favorite. <laughs> thank, oh, thank, <laughs> it's my favorite because my wife's in it. <laughs> thank you for su- your support, Gabe. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, freaking Funko Pops, but they will they will outlive us. They will and, absolutely. And someday, okay. Here's the, here's the thing. When they when they come to us and say, "Yo." We're making hot takes of string breaks, Funko Pops. Do you want to see our sketches? And we'll be like, yes. Yes, yes. absolutely. 100%. Make, make me into a Funko Pop, please. Yes, do it. Make <laughs> me into a lifeless void from which I cannot escape. <laughs> All right, let's get into the main event. We're going to talk about the Oscars. How's that sound? Yeah. All right, so... Before the next episode, we've got this little celebration, this shindig uh, of movies. This is a little event, a little thing. Uh, the Oscars. The Oscars. O, comma, scar. <laughs> oh, apostrophe. The Oscars, because it's in March, right? <laughs> yeah, St. Patty's. St. Yes. Patty's Day um, celebration. I would drink a dark ale that was an Oscars. This sounds excellent. I know. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. All right. So they're putting on a show, but we're going to talk about the best pictures because you've seen them all. Congrats. I've seen them all. Congrats. Congrats. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Thank I've, you. I've seen six. Uh, I'd wanted to do more, but some of them are just inaccessible still. They're still in theater. Women talking still in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, everything Everywhere All Once is still um, – it's on some streaming services, but all the ones I don't have – <laughs> and then they wanted like 20 bucks on Amazon for it still. Triangle of Sadness, it got really close on. But otherwise, I got the other one. So let's run down these. And if there are any surprises from the rest of the field that you have some ideas on, we can get to those as well. But we'll let's start that. with All Quiet on the Western Front. This is on Netflix. Uh, and it's uh, based on the book, based I don't know if it's based on the movie, the original movie. Based on the book, based on the movie. <clears throat> at this point, it's been at least a good 50 to 70 years, depending on your original. Because I think the yeah, first one 80, was in oh, the so. 40s, and then the yeah. other one was in so the 70s, I believe. The 40s was 80 years ago. Oh, my God. I don't want to think about that. I mean, we weren't alive. Ooh, but, but still. <laughs> my parents weren't even alive. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Okay. So my hot take. <clears throat> oh. Um, is that I think this is one of the the ties for what will probably win. Okay. Um, and I think it will probably win because it's a war movie. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal hot take is this is pretty low on my list of favorites. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
Little disclaimer, I'm not a huge war movie fan. I've noticed that. Uh, it's yeah. it's not it's not my thing, you More know. More star peace than star wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you okay. getting it. You know, okay. a little more phantom, a little less menace. Exactly. <laughs> Misa loving it. Yes. <laughs> so my hot take for all quiet. We had a World War One movie just a couple years ago. It was 1917. Mm-hmm. It had a fun little shtick where it was a what looks like a one take film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really well paced. It it's really well sticky. acted. It very sticky. Very sticky. But for me, that's what sold it. I thought it was brilliant because of that. Was mm-hmm. it my favorite? God no. I don't like war movies. Do you like Sam Mendes films? Yeah. I'm 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 literally met on that. Yeah. Um cuz I saw Empire of Light. I haven't seen it. So uh, I Anyway. All Quiet is a beautifully made movie with excellent actors. Hard to tell how good the script is, the adapted screenplay because it's entirely in German. So I can't really speak to that. It's a lot of horrifying brutal language. A lot of brutal language, which is Fine. It's World War One. I. I mean, <clears throat> the tone in my voice should tell you how I'm feeling about this. We've yeah. seen World War One. You know, we're I'm I'm sitting there watching the movie of them in the trench. You know, s- scenes of them in the trenches is like a, a good half the movie because mm-hmm. that's what happened. Right. And I lean over to my husband and I say, doesn't this look exactly like 1917, like the set? And he goes, well, that's because that's how it looked in real life, Victoria. I go, well, of course. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> so is it a good set or is it an easy to make set? <laughs> yeah. So I've got that little asterisk there. Okay, that 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 kind of stuck in my head. The other thing that was very strange about this movie that I don't feel like is getting a lot of conversation. It has an almost Jaws-like music sting. Okay. That goes, it's something like, na-na-na, and it happens throughout the entire movie. It's electronic, and so that kind of fits with German because Because German culture likes a lot of electronic music. Yeah. But it doesn't fit this movie and they throw in that sting throughout the entire thing whether it's something as charming as stealing some eggs from a farmer or somebody dying an incredibly gruesome death in a trench and it was very confusing now it'd be one thing if the entire score was electronic Mm -hmm. it's not Uh so it was ex- it was extremely distracting for me. What's interesting is that I believe it was also nominated for best score. Oh, and yeah. so okay. I'm fascinated to find out. Yes, it is. It is. Yes, um, you got it. Best original score. I I'm fascinated. Is this an American issue? Because this was a German made film in German by Germans. Tech- for Germans, is it because I'm American? Is is it? Am I not getting something, or is it actually that? I think it's because you're an ally, and 1917 <laughs> was the French side, or it was the British. It was the British. It was on, the British side. It was the British side as they're fighting the Germans. So I think that's. Um, I think that's. I think that's really it. Well, and that's a legitimate mm-hmm. point because we all know what happens about 30 to 40 years later. And when it's coming from a German perspective, I kind of have to sit and wonder, you know, is this movie going to at least metaphorically address what we all know in the audience is coming? Is the whole movie, you know, it's a war movie, so it is a metaphor that war is bad. Yeah. That war does terrible things to innocent people. The the politicians are usually the people that, you know, are really holding the power as opposed to these, you know, teenage boys that are out in the trenches because it starts off with the classroom right it, it does it does have some you know pre-war pre-enlistment scenes it's, they're yeah. very short uh, at the very beginning to kind of give you that backstory i th- and again i think this is a translation issue i had such a hard time until the very end of the movie differentiating between all of these 
German boys. I mean, they were teens. Yeah. That all look pretty similar. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe if this had been in English, maybe I wouldn't feel that way. But I had such a hard time keeping track of what was going on because I couldn't tell who was who. Like in the, the you know, mud they're, they're the all gr- covered in mud. They're all mm. wearing the same uniform. Um, as far as I can tell, you know, I don't speak German. They all sound kind of the same. If I did speak German, I definitely wouldn't feel that way. But it was a hard watch for me. Okay. That said, it's actually, I mean, it's a quality movie. It is an Oscar contender. Uh-huh. But, I wouldn't but necessarily not your, recommend it. Not your best film. No. Uh, we've already talked a lot about Avatar The Way of Water, Avatar 2, the Smurf movie, Avatar 2 Returns. Um, and that's not going to win. It's not. I'm I'm going to really trust that it's not going to win. Yeah. James Cameron will not be king of the world after this one. We don't. So. I don't need to shred Avatar apart again for the second time. So I'll just say that it was not my favorite movie. And that's true. <laughs> and we have a whole episode dedicated. You yes. can go and listen and watch all that yes. fun stuff. This one we do get to talk about the Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. Inishirin. Yeah. The Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah. And don't don't worry about if you're mispronouncing Inishirin because it is a fictional place and they address you that can, yeah. in the film. <laughs> yeah. Like Alderan. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't ma- matter how you say it. Uh, this, so I have seen this. This is, I'll just drop it. This is my favorite of the ones here. I know you had... Yeah, this is this, this is, is my number one. This is this is not my typical thing, like the Irish countryside thing, the whole you know, the accent, the nineteen twenty three setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is such a quaint story. Um, we don't need to spoil it, but it you know, but a friendship ends. Yeah, and one doesn't like that, and the other one's setting boundaries, and those boundaries are insane, and. <laughs> It's 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 beautiful. It's it is folklore. It it is. It is really and folklore. And it's not. Yeah. So the thing I found fascinating about Banshees, and I knew this before going in. People that don't know this going in, I feel like have a different take on it. Um, that it's about um, Scotland and Ireland, and it's it's folklore, but it's it's a very literal and direct metaphor, um, or not Scotland and Ireland. Um, Britain and Ireland? Brit- Britain and Ireland. Yeah. Um, and for for me, this historical metaphor is so, you know, you talk about the phrase, cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. That is made extremely literal in this movie. And I, I think the way that that is portrayed is just uh, really, you know, I almost wish that All Quiet had been a really strong metaphor like Banshees would have. Yeah. Because that was such a a fascinating way to really humanize a civil war that is wildly complicated, but to put it into, you know, being represented by these characters, I thought was beautiful and really simplified what what the issue was and that it was, it's all a very human issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the acting is phenomenal. Incredible. Stunning. Yeah, I, uh, I mispronounced his name, but Mr. Keegan, B- Barry Keegan, Barry Keegan. Yeah, as Dominic. Yes, the annoying little crap that he is. <laughs> uh, just, just like wow. And yes. the, the day by day, the night by night. Uh, uh, Siobhan, the mm-hmm. sister, incredible job um, portraying this. Like she's she's putting up with it. She- <laughs> She is until handling, she doesn't. Until yeah. she doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And then Brendan Gleeson is incredible as Colin. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And the the cinematography is beautiful. The opening shots, which are now everything is just drones now. You don't need helicopters for <laughs> it, but they're just beautiful shot. I didn't realize that there are places where they still have like the uh, knee high walls mm-hmm. around these properties and stuff because it's shot in a real place. It's, and it's just set in a fa- fictional one. It really feels like you just teleported into 1920s Ireland. Yeah. You know, whatever you've got in your brain with these rolling green hills and, and the, the cold lakes and oceans, it's exactly what you get. Yeah. Um, and you you can feel it. You know, there's, there's a scene where Barry Keegan's character walks up to a lake and he's just pointing at it generally and making a very funny statement. It's my favorite part of the movie. Um, <laughs> it is a funny movie. It, it, it's it, a, it, it, it is it a is, funny. Funny it movie. is a funny, funny movie. Yeah. 
but it's also dark and it's sad and disheartening and it is exactly hilarious in the exact same context. And it's it's mind blowing that they were able to make that happen. And it's and it's because it's not relying on gags or stuff no, like that. No, 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 no. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on. Elvis. Elvis. This movie is two hours and like forty six minutes. It could have been an hour and forty six minutes. You saw Elvis. I saw Elvis. Are you a Boz Lerman fan? Uh, Romeo plus Juliet, uh, Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge, The Last, The Great Gatsby, The Great Gatsby, Australia. I, I have a lot of respect for him and what he's doing because, as I was watching it, uh, like after the the credit, the the logo builds and all that stuff, it gets into it and it's cut at such a frantic pace that I thought I was watching a trailer for like when you watch a YouTube trailer and it's got the pre YouTube <laughs> trailer before it yeah. so you don't leave the ad. Yep. Uh, that's what this felt like mm-hmm. to an extent. And then when I was like, okay, so when is he going to sh- slow down and let Elvis breathe a little bit? Uh, that's when the movie like stalled for really? me. That it felt – it dragged – it like lurches from point of his life to point of his life. They spend so long on individual sections – um, like in the studio back lot or when they're putting mm. on the quote unquote Christmas special. Mm. Um, and it's like, man, just move on. Let's go. We got mm. this. Um, Tom, H- Tom Hanks, I think he did a really great job as Tom the- Hanks is doing Tom Hanks. Tom in it with a Dutch ish accent, accent. <laughs> mostly that he can mostly and, and the, the whole prosthesis and all that stuff to look and just be a nasty man who's manipulating him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I looked up afterward to see like how realistic it was because I'd also watched the Broy Chanel video essay about it because ah. she lambasts these kind of sanitized estate approved biopics mm. where they don't get to die. And that, I remember, uh, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but I remember mm. leading up Sasha uh, Baron Co- Cohen mm-hmm. or, you know, you know him as Borat. <laughs> a comedian. Uh, he was going to do uh, a biopic on Queen, but mm-hmm. really dive into the nitty gritty, nasty drugs, the sex, mm-hmm. you know, all the 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 culture stuff that, especially around Freddie. Uh, but the estate was like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to have the sanitized one, and Brian Singer's going to direct most of it until the bad stuff happened to him, or he did bad stuff, I should say. And that's the most popular one of all time. But they're kind of just cutting to the notes of the Wikipedia article. And I give Baz a lot of credit for his showmanship. He is constant. All of his letters are beveled and gold and floating around. And his title cards are in the environment. And oh, yeah. He's the, got they a got look. the bling. They, they it, it is so blingy. And he does it for so cheap, too. That was like a $75 million film. Wow. Yeah. That, that is pretty stunning. It, and, it, and granted, it looks very CGI. But I mean, that's just the pro- and every it's time. It's also they- kind of his aesthetic too. <laughs> it, it, it totally is. Yeah, all the way back. But um, I I enjoyed it to the to how hist- historic it is. I enjoyed it, um, especially just how it, it makes so much more sense now. How he was manipulated into dying essentially mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. his manager, who was writing him for every dollar he was worth, and right. it's like, oh my god! And Elvis, and part of the things that Elvis did. That they didn't touch on, like the whole Camilla thing, mm-hmm. and like, uh, right, that was a little dicey. How did you like it? I'm really hot and cold on Elvis. I get that. Um, yeah, a lot of it I really liked. A lot of it I really didn't like. I am a Boz Lerman fan. I really love Romeo plus Juliet. I used to call Moulin Rouge my favorite movie. It never really was, but it just really sat with me <laughs> at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I I, res- I respect him. Com- Committing to the bit. Boz Lerman has his way of doing things, and he has done it for years. Yeah. Um, so you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, knowing this estate issue really, I think, explains a lot of this movie. Because I came out of this movie wanting more about Elvis's personal struggles with his drug use, with his weight, with yeah. his image, with everything. Because it was just boiled down to he's taking pills. Yeah. It was boiled – and also boiled down to the about- – Last, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, and in re- reality, we all know that most that that's not usually how things happen. <laughs> no, you, you don't just start um, taking pills. I appreciate the uh, 
the approaches that the film made to show that he was in a lot of senses stealing black music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have gotten a, gone a lot further with that while also staying respectful to the estate. Yeah. Um, I honestly wanted more of that and felt like it could have and should have taken a lot more of the movie. Some people claim that they already went plenty far. I, I, I personally wanted to see more of that. Yeah. Um, as far as the editing, yeah. Holy cow. That is Boz Arman up, down, forwards, backwards. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you bring up Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I love um, using that as an example because it actually won its year, um, its Oscar year for best editing, which it is notorious among the editing community yes. as being one of the worst edited Oscar movies maybe of all time. Yeah. Um, and, and that happened because of a lot of political reasons That's what, as far as the band goes. One, and the, the Academy Awards, you can do a whole thing about that. You, you can do a whole thing about that. Um, my understanding is if you had lived through Elvis's time, you probably enjoyed this movie a lot more than everyone else because of how well they match cut the the film to actual the stage performances right and and the last performance he gives is the unchained melody and it is beautiful and it legitimately brought me to tears even though i didn't think it was that great of a movie Mm -hmm. and i gotta respect it for that yeah and Uh, and they didn't put austin in a really big suit or anything because you see him in the foot in the historic footage and he is big Yes, and so when he's they have they, they have that newsreel cutaway, or it's like he's all like think considering his like growing waistline, mm-hmm. and he looks the same. And yeah. it's like that doesn't help me, Boz. Yeah. So. And and that said, Austin Butler I think is also nominated. Um, I think he did a fantastic job. I, I don't felt too. like it was parody. Yeah. I felt like he really did try to connect. And from what we're hearing, he apparently hasn't dropped this accent. So uh, if he wins this role, I cannot wait to hear him. Still be an Elvis. He doesn't drop it until the director's commentary. <laughs> uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I have not seen this. This is a fun movie. So I actually saw this one in theaters when it first came out almost a year ago. Um, w- one of my favorite creators, they did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. This movie is fun and wacky and interesting and compelling. Um, and it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. Um, this it's a very real story of a real family, and watching. I will, excuse me if I pronounce her name wrong, Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Her performance is outstanding. The way it references her previous work is brilliant. It is fun. It is quirky. It is touching. I want to put it up there with Banshees, uh-huh. but I don't feel like it's an Oscar movie. Yeah. Now, if it wins, if it wins, honestly, that, that'll be following the trends because it is winning a lot right now. Yeah. Um, if, if it wins, honestly, it'll be a pretty big move for the Academy. They have, they will have never have voted for anything this diverse and complex, I think, before. When we think diverse, we're thinking of, like, Moonlight, for example. I think that or was... Parasite. Or possibly Parasite. I'd mm-hmm. say, I'd say maybe it's a little less... Than everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. I want to see that win in the way that it actually deserves to win, not as oh, the the academy is growing. You know, yeah, when we're trying to prove it. Yeah, yeah. More, more merit. Uh, you, we talked about the Fablemans a good while ago, and I don't want to like totally retread that ground. I no. did get to see it. Um, it is schmaltz. It is schmaltz, 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 schmaltzy, schmaltz, schmaltz. And it, in fact, like the. That the opening scene where they're outside the movie theater and his dad, his you know brilliant computer technician, science dad, uh, who's ex- explaining to little not Steven Spielberg because it's a faux, it's a, a quasi man. man, it's a fable man. <laughs> uh, but he's like explaining it. It brings the magic of all this stuff together. You just have to believe it. Like not quite, but almost <laughs> pretty and, close. Pretty close. Um, and. It, that almost repulsed me oh, from the get. It. Yeah, like that is because that is trademark Spielberg. Hmm. And but as it moves on, as it gets into it, as he's building his stories, as he's filming his movies that are clearly far too deluxe and realistic to have ever been shot in the hmm. real world with Boy Scouts <laughs> and guns yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> with his, uh, it did become fun event. to imagine this being a real thing, right? Exactly, and him. 
it really touched on, oh God, it, like, especially to me personally, the parental approval of mm-hmm. don't get into filmmaking because that's not a real job. And he keeps pushing yes. it. And it's not until like the very end that he just kind of, his dad, uh, Paul Dano, incredible. Incredible. And his, and his mother, an incredible Michelle Williams. And even, uh, I didn't even recognize him for a bit, but Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth yes. Rogen is in there. Uh, <laughs> incredible work. Um, it's not until the end that he finally kind of acknowledges, like, okay, well, you can do a thing with this. And then I mentioned it the last time, but the the cameo. There's an excellent cameo. There's an the excellent end. cameo by David Lynch, mm-hmm. and it is so great. It is it's it's up there with. Um, John Hurt in the last couple minutes of um, a history of violence for cameos. Gotcha. I love it. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm really good at watching best pictures, but that's about it. I don't. Well, that was from an era when they only had the five. Right. And I think that was. I think. I don't think I got anything. Yeah. The the Fablemans is is clearly how anybody reflects on their own memories right when when you when you remember big moments in your life they are not simple they are big and dramatic and you know crazy and you know cringy at times yeah that's how you remember and that's how this movie was made and i really appreciated that yeah and and i I can completely understand where you're coming from with that very beginning because that they start you off you know right away this is the tone of the movie right exactly and and it and it sticks to it yeah i I appreciate that and you can take it kind of take it or leave it uh i took it eventually and i i really enjoyed it as a movie i really Mm. did but it was and I would say it's it's a it's a movie it's a movie for movie people. It's, you know, you mentioned having a film background. Yeah. S- same thing. I remember, right. you know, applying for college and saying, I don't know what I want to do, but it's it's got to have something to do with movies. Right. You know, a- anybody that's been in a creative field can can empathize. Absolutely. We've got to get we've got four more to go. Four more to go. We can do this. Um Tar, speaking of the opposite of warm and cuddly and schmaltzy tar is a brutal film with tons. Uh, I've saw this one, uh, <laughs> tons, tons of very geometrically precise camera work and a protagonist that is not very likable. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and what a strange movie. And, uh, I, it was an experience that I loved. Yes. As a result. Um, Kate Blanchett is fantastic. She gives it her all. You could expect nothing less from her. Um, I want more people to see this so that I can... It's easy to kind of lose yourself in in the scenes here. Yeah. Because it's so um, engaging and does... It's also a very misleading movie. Just because it's about symphony, about orchestra, doesn't mean that you need to know everything there is about music. Right. It is very approachable. It is very approachable. It's kind of the point, too. And also very not because it's got those sitting there just long shots of people talking. Oh, the yeah. New Yorker interview. And I was uh, yes. I was like mid-movie. It's like, did this actually happen? Is there an actual Lydia Tarr out there or something? <laughs> And and I'll you know I'll it, leave the it convinces you. you. It, it convinces, convinces you. you. Yeah, it really does. Like oh my god, uh, Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness. We're gonna skip right over Top Gun. <laughs> no, we're no. That's next. Okay. Okay. Because I saw Top Gun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Triangle of Sadness. I will be fast about this one because this is not one that's easily talked about. Uh-huh. Um, if you're familiar with this director, you absolutely know what you're getting into. This movie jumps genres like nobody's business. This is not your typical Oscar film. You think everything everywhere all all at once is a little bonkers. You have not yet seen Triangle of Sadness. It seems kind of downy, like like weird. A Triangle of Sadness is a really misleading title as well. It makes you feel like it's going to be a really dark film. It's a... It addresses very serious topics with every emotion that you can think of. Woody Harrelson is in it. Okay. That is all I'm going to say. All right. Um, it's a great movie. I want a lot of people to watch it. You may not like it. Don't take my recommendation. It seems like a, it seems like a movie. <laughs> Who's that indie brother duo who um, they, they did um, James who lives at home? Um, that like some other ones where they're sitting there just zooming in and out, snap zooms and stuff like that. I can't remember their names, but that seems like that kind of movie. But apparently not. It's it's, it's wild. Okay. Um, and and you will not, 
You will not understand it until about the second act, what I'm talking about. Okay. The second act comes and boy. I, I do want to see this. I do I really do. So do recommend if you've got if you've got some if you got some grit to you. Okay. You gotta be a little tough. You guys <laughs> Tar's the same way. Yes. Uh, but you don't need any grit because it gives you grit. Top Gun Maverick uh, is not gonna win Best Picture. Or I said I Okay. You're looking at me in the camera. I'm looking the ca- yeah, up there. If Top Gun Maverick wins Best Picture at the Oscars, yes. I will eat a hat. You will eat a hat. And I will eat a hat. I will eat just about anything. So We're going to hold you to that. Yeah, that's fine. I'll have, we'll buy a hat and I will eat it. Um, <laughs> fun movie. I have no idea, aside from just how popular it was, why. I mean, it's visually, it's, it's up there. Joseph Kaczynski is amazing director. Uh, always, ever since Tron Legacy. Um, even Oblivion, which was not a great movie, but looked amazing. <laughs> I don't know why this is in this list. I got to give it credit for the technical achievements. Yeah. Y- you taught all these actors how to actually fly those planes. Or they're like passengers or something. No, they, they flew those planes. Oh. They are in the driver's seat. They built IMAX cameras to fit in there. If they messed up their take, they had to do it again. And you know how expensive that's going to be. Oh, and they had to set up like six cameras too it, in it there. It was <clears throat> insane. Um, I give it credit for that stuff. As far yeah. as plot... <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's, <laughs> it's a comic book. Yeah, it, it's less than a comic book. It, you know, yes. there's the bad guys. We got to get the bad guys taken it's like care of. Moving the gums, on. Like, <laughs> you get a gums, like in your Cracker Jack comic or something. Yeah, it's in there because I feel like you know Tom Cruise is a sixty year old man. He's, he's getting a, up there. He's getting up there. His his <laughs> chances are dwindling with every movie he's making. <laughs> that said, <laughs> this movie does not deserve best picture no it deserves a lot of other things that are not best picture yeah and it has probably more to do with the crew than i bet it goes for a couple of the technicals i'll I'll really cross my fingers on that because that which i'm not seeing this may it may not be on our list writing writing adapted screenplay and like not much else it may be in the technical awards i'm not sure what they're doing for that but it was (sighs) It was it's a fun, fun movie. movie to watch. Go watch it. Go watch it's a Top fun Gun Maverick. Film editing. I'll believe I'll believe film editing. I bet that's I bet that's but that's gotta go against and, Banshees and, and Elvis. And, and, everything, and everything everywhere. everywhere and, and, and All right, maybe uh, it yeah. does. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, last one, Women Talking. Women Talking. Um, based off of a book, adapted screenplay, probably does a fantastic job of adapting the screenplay, is my guess. Uh-huh. Um ugly looking movie. Ugly. Ugly in that they they put such a strong filter on every shot that it is distracting. When I first saw the trailer, I thought it was just a bad upload of the trailer. Um, and to the point where I'm kind of embarrassed for them. I, I don't know why you would make this very specific decision and commit so hard to it because of pulled me out of the entire movie now this maybe this is a movie person problem uh-huh. i'm a movie person yeah maybe that's that's my problem the acting is fantastic uh-huh. the script nah, but it, maybe it's adapted great uh-huh. every single actor in this movie blows it out of the water i was <clears throat> in tears quite literally sobbing in the theater um fantastic performances in hindsight maybe not the best movie uh-huh. um not that it's not an inspiring story with wonderful things to quote it is mm-hmm. it's just maybe not the best movie maybe right. maybe a better stage play okay yeah maybe a better stage that. play yeah that makes sense because uh, there are definitely uh, there's been at least one or two movies in the past however long where it's like you're in it when you're in it and then when you're out you're like oh the Batman for me was like that. Well, it's not necessarily forgettable, um, but it takes place in about three different settings. It should. It, it's just so clearly set up because it's literally about women talking. Uh-huh. It is about a group of women um, trying to decide whether or not they want to escape the toxic situation that they're in. And I don't really want to go into it because that'll make spoilers. us way over time. And spoilers. spoilers. Um, but that's what it is, is it's a bunch of people talking to each other. It's mm-hmm. very powerful. Um, but again, maybe a better stage play. Okay. All right. 
so uh, I was I said in the uh, briefing here, who do we pick to win? Guess you'll have to find out by listening to the show. Well, you've already made it this far, and I've, I've basically already tipped our hands. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think it's Banshees. Uh, I think um, I'll be bringing my list for next time, so we can see how how we did. You did you have a do you have your entire list? I don't have my entire list, but my if if it were my choice <clears throat> for best picture, I would pick Banshees. Um, I truly think that best picture will go to All Quiet. Um, All Quiet. I, I believe somewhere between the two of those that makes the most sense, and then everything everywhere is like the dark horse. Yeah, and then the rest. It's not impossible for that one to win. It is impossible for Top Gun to win, though. Just, just so you can not eat a hat. I'm really banking on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. I, I did. I have anything more for this? Did you have anything more? No. Okay. I, I've talked a lot. I had to make up for Kelly not being here. I know, exactly. Yeah. Well, we miss Kelly. Miss you, buddy. You're not listening to this, are you? Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Well, for everyone else who's listening and watching at home, wherever you're at, be sure to like and subscribe and all that fun social media stuff. If you have a comment or question you'd like us to answer or address on the air, send an email to podcast at 6235media.org. That's 60 spelled out, 6035. And put hot take somewhere in the subject line. Tell us what your Oscar picks are um, and how amazing Tar is or why we're wrong about Top Gun or whatever. Let us know. 6035 Podcasts are listener-supported. If you like what we're doing, become a member. Visit 6035membership.org. And again, remember that 60 spelled out. Be sure to check out our weekly news show, 6035, with executive editor Brian Grossman. In fact, I have a clip that we can toss to right now. Uh, Take it away, Brian. Thanks, Nick. This week on the 6035, Dave Gardner, executive producer of podcasts and managing editor Helen Lewis, join me in the studio to discuss our new 6035 vote podcast and some of the issues facing mayoral and city council candidates in the April 4 city election. Check out our podcast on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Back to you, Nick. Well, thank you for that clip so much. That was really great. Well, um, I had a quip in here, but I want you to join us next episode where we weigh the entire collection of Beatles albums. We'll have some hot takes for you then, too. <laughs> <laughs>